Hey, Salt Lake City. It is so exciting to be with you today on Vision Sunday. I'm just so excited. This is probably one of my favorite Sundays of the year. On your seat right now, you're gonna find a vision card. We want you to fill that out. Now, let me just be honest with you. Most churches, when it comes to Vision Sunday, will tell you the vision of the church and hope that you get lit up or excited and say, hey, you know, uh, let, let's get behind pastor's vision and let's help fulfill pastor's vision. And, oh, I wonder what pastor's vision is going to be this year. Well, the truth is our vision has never changed. In fact, if you said to me, hey, what's the vision for C3 Church in Salt Lake City, Utah? I'd say it's really simple. You, you're the vision. You and the city, that's the vision. We want to reach the city. Well, how are you going to do that? Really simple. By you having a life-changing, life-empowering, and life-elevating encounter with Jesus Christ. So today I want you to know that the vision card is not just about the vision of the church. It's actually about your vision. I want you to come around and join our other five locations and fill out your vision card with what you're believing God to do in your life that is exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think. I want you to go audacious. I want you to go big. I want you to create a gap, not on what you can do. Well, I think that this year I'll collect coins. You know, don't just do what you can do this year. This year, do something that is outside. Believe God for something that is so far out of your reach. It might be a debt cancellation. It might be the acquisition of a property. It might be to ask that beautiful young lady finally to marry you and believe God that she's going to say yes. Whatever it is, I want you to, to create room, create space. Every year we do this. Every year we see the most amazing miracles, the most amazing breakthroughs. I'm not sure whether you realize this, but God's power is, is always at work. He is never static. He is always dynamic. The Bible says in the book of Revelation that the Holy Spirit was hovering over the face of the waters. He was hovering because he's never static. He's always dynamic. God's power is always waiting for a word. It's always waiting for faith in a word, faith in a promise to deploy and release and bring about a great result. So let me give you a couple of scriptures. Come with me in your Bibles. We're going to go on a great journey today. The first scripture I want you to look at is Proverbs 29, 18. We're going to read it in the NIV, the nearly inspired version. The NIV says, without a vision, the people perish. Without a vision, the people perish. It is so important that you have a vision. A vision is one, going to be one of the most powerful things in your life. How do I know that God is a God of vision? Because He put our eyes in the front of our heads. You and I are always meant to be looking forward, forward-looking creatures. Fish have their eyes on the side of their head. There's a lot of Christians that live like fish, always looking to the side, always comparing themselves one to another. Paul says you're not wise when you compare yourselves one to another. That's where strife and quarrels and envies and all kinds of messes come from. Your eyes are in the front of your head. Some Christians have what I call rowboat mentality. They're looking this way, but they're paddling this way. They're going like this in their, in their canoe. They're looking at where they were rather than where God is taking them. Your eyes are in the front of your head. You're meant to be forward looking. You were created to have vision. Now, the Bible says in the opening stanza of Genesis, Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless, void, and darkness covered the face of the deep. 
Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and bam, light was, which meant that God created in the dark. So how does that help us? I'm really glad you asked. That means that God created with vision, not with sight. Sight, optometrists tell us that for the eye to see, light must be present. God is always modeling what he's asking us to live up to. And so God was showing us that he creates the heavens and the earth in the dark before there's any light because God creates by vision, not by sight. You and I were created to live by vision and not by sight. The Apple iPhone that I own, I own an Apple iPhone, but before I held it in my hand, before I saw it with my eyes, a man by the name of Steve Jobs visualized it when it was yet unseen, when it was yet invisible, when it was not yet materialized, he saw it in the invisible before it came into the natural. Vision is so pertinent. Vision is so important. There are a number of beautiful patterns in the Bible. We don't have time to get into them. But it's interesting that Jesus healed seven men who were born blind all through the, the Gospels. Seven is God's number of perfection. So God's trying to get our attention that leadership and vision and vision and leadership go hand in hand. I want you to have a vision. So now come with me to the book of Joshua. We're gonna be picking up from Joshua 14, verse six. So let me just read this to you. It says, And the children of Judah came to Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know the word which the Lord had said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and concerning me in Kadesh Barnea? How I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord your God. And now, said Caleb, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses, while Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now here I am, this day, 85 years old. Now watch this, this is what I want you to catch. As yet, I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me, just as my strength was then, so now is my strength, both for war, both for going out and for coming in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim, the giants, were there and that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord had said. And Joshua blessed him. Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as an inheritance. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, to this day because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. I love that passage of Scripture. And uh, if you do any study, you'll find that Caleb goes up there and drives out the giants that are there and takes his mountain. And he's 85 years of age. Here's the incredible thing. Number one, vision will keep you strong. Vision will keep you strong. Do you know there's a lot of people 
They die at 20, but we just don't bury them till they're 85. They die at 30 and we bury them at 75. The day that you stop dreaming of the future, the day that you stop operating in vision is literally the day you die. You may still be living, but you're not really living life. You're just existing. You're just breathing air and taking up space. Listen, you were created to have vision. Here is a guy called Caleb. Caleb at 40 has a vision. 45 years later, he's able to say, listen, because I had a vision of taking this territory, because I had a dream of taking this mountain, give me my mountain. He says, the craziest thing, I feel as good today at 85 as I did at 40. And here I am, 85, I'm ready to go to war. I'm ready to go to battle. You will find that vision will keep you vibrant. Vision will keep you young. Vision will keep you strong. You need a vision in your life. Have you got a vision for your marriage? Have you got a vision for your children? Have you got a vision for your family? Have you got a vision for your finance? Have you got a vision for territory that you want to take? You ought to always be taking territory. Do you know the Bible says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof? You know, sadly, too many Christians step back and let the wicked come in and they buy up all the real estate and they buy up all the factories and they buy up all the produce and they, they, they start up all the banks and they take on all, all the possession. They got title here and land there and possession here. And meanwhile, us Christians sit back hoping that they may throw us a bone. Fooey to all of that. You were created to have dominion. The word kingdom means the king's dominion. You and I are here not just to preach the kingdom of God, but to advance the the kingdom of God to establish the king's dominion, Jesus's dominion here on the earth. And we do that by taking territory. I want you to get a vision this year of what you're trying to take, what you're believing God to establish. If you don't yet own a home, maybe you're just a, a newlywed or a young couple and man, we're just, we're just flat out just trying to make ends meet. Why don't you believe God? to get into an apartment, to get into a, a condo, to get into a unit, to get into something this year. You'll find that God is waiting on you to move. Too often we're waiting for God to move and He's like, no, no, you move. That's why the Bible says, if you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. You're saying, well, if God wants to be close, let Him move. God's like, no, 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 it's my chessboard, it's my rules, you move and then I move. We're like, oh, no, no, God, I want you to move. No, no, if you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. You give and it will be given to you. Press down, shaking together. You forgive and then I'll forgive you. You don't judge and then I won't judge. You'll always find the ball is in your court first. I want you to understand the power of vision. One of the greatest things in my life is just daring to believe God for vision. Before we started one church in San Diego, God gave me a dream where I saw a baseball diamond. And I woke up from the dream. I said, God, what's that? You, you, you want me to get into baseball? And he's like, oh, no. Oh, myself. No, no. Um, I want you. I want you to have one church in four locations. I'm like, oh, dear God, I'd just be happy if I had one church in one location. He says, no, I want you to have one church in four locations. So I've just found that, that God just puts a vision in front of you. You need a vision. You'll find that without a vision, the people perish. Another translation, the New King James says, without a vision, the people cast off restraint. People's lives are shipwrecked. People's lives are destroyed with vision. Do you know my teenager? Well, he's not a teenager anymore. He's 22 now and married. But when he was a teenager, do you think we could get him to brush his teeth? Not a chance. Do you think we could get him to put on deodorant? No way. We had to chase that little monkey every three or four days. Get in the shower, thou stinketh. 
We couldn't get him to do it. Cut your hair. I don't want to cut my hair. Man, brush your teeth. Like, he had no hygiene. He had no, no personal grooming technique at all. Then all of a sudden, something changed. Where he's like all about his hair, he's getting his hair groomed, he's wearing nice clothes, he's put on deodorant, he's stealing all of my aftershave and cologne. And I'm like, hey, well, what the heck's going on? Then we realize, aha, uh -huh, a young lady has come along. See, once he got a vision, everything changed. Without a vision, the people cast off restraint, live recklessly, aimlessly, and hopelessly. You need to have a vision. Joel 2.28 says, in the last days, God speaking, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your young men will see dreams. Your old men will have visions. You need to understand that the language of the Holy Spirit is prophecy, dreams, and visions. Prophecy, what is prophecy? It's shooting arrows into the future, into a day that's not yet. It's, it's reaching into tomorrow and bringing an awareness of it into your today. God wants to give you a vision and a dream. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is that of Joseph. Joseph, as you may know, at 17, begins to have a dream and he sees the sheaves of the field bowing down before him. Well, he shares it with his brothers and they hate him. So then he dreams again. I love that about Joseph. He refused to stop dreaming. You know, you're gonna find that as you begin to, to write down your vision card, there's gonna be all kinds of thoughts to try and kill that vision, to kill you from being a dreamer. Oh, come on, who are you to believe that? Come on, that's impossible. Come on, you're not even being realistic. Oh, who do you think you are? How, how audacious, how selfish, how... But I'm telling you, God moves in visions and dreams. Joseph dreamed again. And this time he saw the sun, the moon, and the stars bowing down before him. And his father rebuked him and said, will your mother and I really bow down before you? Well, if you know the story, everything that Joseph dreamed came to pass. But listen, this is point number two. So point number one, your vision will give you strength for your life. But point number two, your vision will help you overcome life's curveballs and life's obstacles. See, Joseph ends up being betrayed by his brothers. They throw him into a pit and half the brothers wanna kill him and the other half are like, we can't kill him, let's sell him. So he's sold to the Ishmaelites, the enemies of Israel. They take him down to Egypt and they put him on a dais and they, they sell him off to the highest bidder which just happened to be uh, Potiphar. Potiphar takes his slave home that he just bought for 20 pieces of silver, the price of a slave, takes him home and puts him to work in his field. So, so now Joseph has to deal with betrayal, he has to deal with rejection, but he also has to deal with a reevaluation. See, 20 pieces of silver was the price of a slave. The devil would love to get you to believe that you are worth far less than what you're really worth. He did the same thing with Jesus. Judas betrayed Jesus, 30 pieces of silver, which was at that time the same price. It was the price of a slave. There'd just been some inflation. 10, ten pieces of, of silver was the inflation. But still, that was the price of a slave. The devil always is trying to devalue, always trying to settle you for less. Hey, hey you, you, you're not worth somebody paying full price for you on a wedding day. Why don't you just move in together? Why don't you just shack up together? Why don't you just cohabit? Why don't you just de facto marriage? You know, just settle down. You, you, come on, you're damaged goods. No one's going, do, do not let the devil. If you have a vision, you won't let the devil's reevaluating of your life demean and diminish your worth. Have a vision. 
But you know what? It gets worse for Joseph. Not only is he now a slave, but the Bible says that Potiphar's wife begins to see him as just human chattel. She sees him as a possession. She doesn't see him as a person with vision and values, and she sees him as, run my bath for me, Joey. Now, now hop into my bed. He's like, oh, no, 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 sweetheart. No, no, you belong to your husband. I ain't doing this. Day after day, she tried to seduce him. Now, you know, a lot of Bible scholars believe it was because the men in Pharaoh's court were not faithful. And maybe she was just so heartbroken that her husband was continually having affairs and cheating, and she wasn't. So she thought, well, I'll, I'll cheat with the slave boy. And the Bible says that it was a day where he was in the house and she grabbed him and she said, lie with me. And he says, I'm not doing this. This is crazy. See, when you have a vision, you're able to say no to immediate gratification. You're able to say no to the immediate. You won't sacrifice your destiny on the altar of the immediate because you have a vision. If Joseph didn't have a vision, he would have said yes there and then because here's the deal. She wasn't telling anybody because the penalty for adultery for a woman in Egypt, and it hasn't changed, 6,000 years later, it has not changed. The penalty for adultery for a woman in Egypt is death. So she's zipping it.com. She will never, there was no one else in the house. No one else would have known. Joseph would have known and God would have known. And he's like, man, this is not the dream. This is not the vision that I had. And I'm not gonna sacrifice my vision and my dream for a piece of, broken relationship and secret flings and an affair on the side. This is not the dream. Well, she grabbed him by the coat and he says, you can keep the coat because this is not the dream. Well, when he ran out of the house, she screamed and she screamed to save her own life because she knows, oh my gosh, if she tells, I'm a dead girl. So she makes up a story and who's going to believe Potiphar's wife or a slave boy? So obviously they believe Potiphar's wife. Joseph is thrown into a prison. Now he is falsely accused and he's a ching ching, ching ching. He's a convicted felon for a crime he did not commit. His reputation is tarnished. He's gone through rejection. He's gone through betrayal. He's become a slave. He's been slandered, maligned, falsely accused. And now he's imprisoned for a crime he did not commit. This is called injustice, folks. We live in an age where right now it's the age of the hashtags. Everyone's got a hashtag. Joseph could have had a hashtag me too injustice. Instead, Joseph keeps his dream. Listen to me. If you will keep your dream, it will carry you through life's bitter betrayals, life's disappointments, the, the, the inactions or the, the, the slanderous or the, the jealousy or the envies or the nastiness of other people. You need a vision. A vision will carry you through. When everyone else saw the bars in the prison, Joseph saw the stars and he remembered the sun, moon and stars bowing down to him. And you know what? He held on to the vision. How do we know that? Because he was interpreting visions and dreams that people had when they came in. And pretty soon the report gets back to Pharaoh where Pharaoh was struggling with a dream and the dream torments him. And then all of a sudden, the, 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 the guy who was the cupbearer of Pharaoh remembers when you were angry and you put us in prison, I met a man in the prison who, who there was something about him. He could interpret visions and dreams and they bring him out and Joseph interprets Pharaoh's vision 
interprets the dream. And Pharaoh is so awestruck. He says, not only are you the guy that can interpret it, but you're the guy that God has raised up to fulfill it. And he makes Joseph number two in the land. And you know the story. His father, his brothers, they come down and they bow down before him. And he puts his hand on them weeping and says, listen, this day you're in fear that I could have you all, have you all executed. He says, but I want you to know there's no bitterness in my heart. What you did to me was evil and you meant it for my harm. But you know what? Because I wouldn't let go of vision, I began to see a God context. What you meant for evil, God has meant for good. That me being here, I was sent ahead of you so that I could save the entire nation. Judah, you're meant to be saved because out of your life is gonna come the Messiah who would save mankind. And I needed to go here so that I could preserve God's perfect plan. You need to understand having a vision will take you through all kinds of ups and downs and disappointments and betrayal. Don't let go of your vision. Don't let go of your vision. No matter how bleak it gets, no matter how dark it gets, hang on to God's vision for your life. The third one, number three, last one, rounding third. In Genesis 15, God appears to Abraham, says, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, your exceedingly great reward. Abraham says, God, uh, you know what? I'm overflowing with reward. I'm rich in livestock, cattle, silver, and gold. I don't need no more reward. And let me tell you why. Because Eliezer of Damascus, right now, a servant born in my house, he's going to be the heir of all this stuff. What is the point of all this blessing? Look, you have not given me a son. And God says to Abraham, really? You want me to look at what you don't got? That's not how this, this life works, Abraham. I need you to get out of your tent and I need you to look up and I need you to begin to count the stars if you are able because more are your descendants than the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. God was saying to Abraham, Abraham, I can't change what's in Sarah's womb till I change what's in your vision. I can't change what's in Sarah's womb until you let me change what's in your vision. Get out of your confined place. Get out of your tent. Get out of your limited thinking. Get out from under that shallow ceiling and begin to look up and count the stars if you are able. Because more are your descendants than the stars in the sky. Vision for night. Sand on the seashore. Vision during the day. Whether it was night or day, God was giving Abraham a vision. Why? Because when you have a vision, you are putting your faith into action. James says that faith without works is dead. Your ability, the Bible says that, that Abraham believed God despite the deadness of his own body and the, despite the deadness of Sarah's womb being beyond childbearing age. Look, when she was in childbearing age, she was barren. She couldn't conceive. Abraham is now in his 90s, Sarah in her 80s, and God says, you're going to have a baby. And the Bible says that Abraham took a hold of that vision and didn't believe the circumstances, but believe what God had spoken to him. It was Jesus walking on water. Twelve disciples are in a boat. Eleven disciples freak out and Jesus says, it is not a ghost, it is I. Eleven disciples were comforted 
But one disciple, Peter, was compelled. He says, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you. And Jesus says, come. One word was all it needed for Peter to get out of the boat and begin to walk on the water. You need to understand that vision releases God's power into your life because vision is you responding to a word, responding to a promise, responding to the rhema, the revelation, the quickening word of God into your spirit. What are you believing God for this year? Listen to me, 2019 will be the greatest year of your life if you'll partner with God. 2019 will be the greatest year you've ever had if you'll partner with God. The language of the Holy Spirit is visions and dreams, Joel 2.28. You wanna get a hold of God's vision, get a hold of God's dreams. Right now, pick up your vision card. Begin to, to, to write on there, what are you believing God for? Do you know, here's the thing, we've been doing this for 13 years. For 13 years, we've been doing this every year. And here's the craziest thing. I found my 2005 vision card. Everything on that card came to pass. I found my 2006, 2007, eight, nine, 10, everything on that pass card has come to pass every single year. And I'm telling you, by about 212, I started just putting crazy stuff down. I can't even begin to tell you how powerful this is. I wanna pray for you right now. And listen to me, if you're not walking with Christ, if you've never surrendered to Christ, friend, everything I'm saying is, is almost mute until you give your life to Jesus. Now listen to me. We, we say this to people, hey, come to Jesus, come to Jesus, come to Jesus, like Jesus is standing still. Jesus didn't say come, he says, follow me, follow me. Jesus is moving. The greatest thing that you can ever do is put your hand in his hand. When I held Jesus' hand, I held hands with somebody who said, follow me. I didn't know where he was taking me, but I gotta tell you, 33 years of following him, the life that I get to live is so amazing. The 18 year old who put his life in a Jesus hand, my life, I was addicted to drugs, alcohol, hated my father, was full of all kinds of bitterness and rejection and fear and pain and brokenness. And 33 years later, what, where Jesus has led me, how Jesus has healed me, and I know he's no respecter of persons. If he'll do that for me, he'll do it for you. If you've never surrendered to Christ, do it today, friend. If you've, if you've walked away from Christ, come back today, friend. But right now, why don't you take out your vision card? In a moment, the, the ministry team are gonna come forward. And as they come forward, they wanna pray with you just for a second. Then ministry team, do not take 10 minutes per person. Otherwise, we're not gonna get out of here till 3 p.m. this afternoon. It's just, you bring your vision card forward. Let one of these anointed men and women just touch you on the head and bless you. Father, we bless this vision. Lord God, let it be so. Amen, let it be so. Let it come to pass this year. Stand in the gap. Now, maybe there are people here and I just hear the Holy Spirit saying this. You've been trying to conceive and you've been unable to conceive. Today's the day of your breakthrough. Put it on your vision card, come forward. It's an act of faith. And, and every act of faith where there's an act of faith, you'll find that that's where God's active power is released. 
and I, I literally see pregnancies coming, pregnancies coming this year. No more miscarriage this year. You're conceiving this year. In fact, God's gonna give one of your twins in Jesus' name, double for your trouble, amen. I see the possessing of homes and someone here, your car was repossessed, you're gonna get a new car. Someone here, you've been believing for a job, God's gonna get you a job. Somebody here, your college transcripts came back and you didn't qualify, submit them again, submit them again, submit them again, because you're gonna get into that college, you're gonna get into that school. God is a miracle working God. How does, this, how does this help us with the vision of the church? It's really simple. The vision of the church, our church will flourish. C3, Salt Lake City will flourish when people actually see that this Bible, this book, the power behind this is alive and working in your life. Do you know, the truth is I haven't tried to grow our church in San Diego in probably four or five years. All I've been trying to do is just trying to get the power of the church in my people. And as my people flourish, people are like, dude, heck, what's, what's going on in your life? Oh, it's my church. And they just keep coming, they just keep coming, they just keep, this power is real, this life is real. Get your vision card, fill it out. Come on band, why don't you come up, begin to play. And as they play and as they minister, fill out your vision card and then come down, let someone pray over you. But if you've never surrendered to Christ, don't leave here today without letting somebody pray with you and lead you back to Jesus Christ, the most important decision. Vince and Becca, why don't you take over from here and uh, I'll let you orchestrate from here, but make sure people get an opportunity to respond to Jesus. It's been such a delight to be with you, Salt Lake City. I love you guys and I can't wait to be with you again. The most beautiful place I think in all of America has to be Salt Lake City. Can't wait to see you. God bless your church.